Hi, and welcome back to Black Coffee Talks, a podcast that delves into conversations concerning Black culture, lives, and experiences. I'm your host, Tina Abna-Fariwa, and thank you for joining me today. So, my apologies for the long hiatus. Honestly, this podcast came to me by chance. I never really intended to do a podcast about Black lives or experiences, not in this way. But during the first lockdown, at the height of what was a worldwide protest against racism and social injustice following the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor in America and Bella Munjinga in London, this platform became an outlet for me to express my frustrations at a system that seems at every turn invested in destroying black people. However, in the last several months, I have thought about the direction I'd like to take this podcast, if I should continue to commit to it or not. And I do want to continue discussing black lives and experiences, but perhaps give more focus to black women, because, of course, this is the demographic that I understand best as a black woman. It's a comfortable and familiar space for me, and there's just so much to discuss and share. So I'd like to kick off the first segment of 2021, albeit I know the year is about to end, but whatever. I want to kick off this first segment talking about the adultification of black girls. A very important topic for me and one which comes up quite frequently in my circle. I think the best place to start is probably with my own experience. So, growing up as a young black woman in the UK, from a very early age I would say I was aware that just by the merit of me being black, society did not hold me the same esteem as my white female counterparts. I was expected to know more, I was expected to be more mature for whatever reason. Now, at that time, there was never a word for that expectation, where it derived from or, you know, was a result of. But now we know that it's termed as the adultification of black girls, a term which describes how society views black girls as less innocent and often judges them through an adult lens. It was very frustrating as a black girl being aware of the way society viewed us Um, viewed me and not having the language at the time to defend oneself and my parents also not having that understanding or the language to challenge institutions and then school and teachers not having the insight into the lasting effects of their own biases to help break down these systems of prejudice. Unfortunately not much has changed in that department. In research for this topic I read a New York Times article entitled Why Won't Society Let Black Girls Be Children? And this also caused me to further reflect on my own childhood and my own experience with school. To be honest, it was very clear um, in classrooms, um, within the school grounds, that black girls were held to a different standard to their white female counterparts. It's not just because we were naughtier or displayed kind of outlandish behaviour, but there was just a greater focus or scrutiny, I would say, on black girls. There was a predetermined notion that we were going to do something wrong, we were going to step out of line, break the rules, etc. I think it was really strange for me, coming from Ghana. I came into the country when I was about six years old. I was brought up in a really strict Ghanaian household, and in Ghana as a child, in school, you're taught to follow the rules to the T. So I didn't come with an attitude or anything, but yet still at school, at school teachers would target me at times, and the discipline for, let's say, talking in class, was a lot more severe for kids that looked like me than it was for our white counterparts. And we all knew there was one rule for white kids and another rule for us. We came to accept that this is the way that things were, and whenever anyone tried to challenge the system, they would end up in exclusion. So the majority of us didn't. We kept quiet because we were afraid and we didn't have the language. 
So my sister, who's 10 years younger than me, started school and was facing similar issues. I went into fight mode. I could see history repeating itself and that frustrated me beyond words. My sister was a very shy, very introverted character. When she started primary school, a teacher, um, a white lady, just didn't take a liking to her and kind of picked on her a lot, citing things like, oh, she's aggressive. She doesn't know how to play well with other kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. This was really strange for us and we fought back, um, so much so that another black teacher pulled us to the side and advised that we try to get her out of that class because actually she'd noticed a certain trend occurring with some black children. Now, it enraged me to think that in over 10 years, very little had changed when it came to my school experience and my sister's school experience with particularly white teachers. Now, what is the cause of this? Of course, we know it is systemic. I believe really that this idea society has painted of black women being loud, aggressive, unruly, you know, manipulative, all sorts, these stereotypes that the media perpetuates are lumped onto the children. So the children don't have the opportunity to just experience their childhood or experience what it truly means to be perceived as a child because they've been tarnished by this overarching perception. So there's a lot of time invested in making sure that they don't get away with things, things that their white and Asian counterparts would get away with because teachers are so fixated on what they're doing wrong and fixated on dishing out punishments which often don't merit the offence. Because, well, if you don't draw a hard line with these girls, they'll somehow cause havoc and destroy your classroom. Now, I argue that all children are naughty. <laughs> I'm an educator. All children are mischievous. It's kind of like the past you get as a child to be mischievous. And I challenge any teacher to focus in on their best and you know, well-behaved students, right? You will always catch them doing something. The more you look, the more you find. And if you are fixated on honing in and focusing in on a particular group of children, you are going to always find something. But the problem doesn't lie with the kids. It rests with you, the adult, and the ideas of this particular group of children from this community or background that you've brought into the class with you. And if you listen very carefully, it's always the same type of words that I use to describe the girls. Aggressive, manipulative, disruptive, loud, challenging. One thing you'll know for sure is when a child is pushed in a corner and they feel like they're being treated unjustly, unfairly, they're going to stand up for themselves. It's a normal human reaction. But of course, in the classroom, where the teacher is supposed to always be right and have authority, as a child, you're not allowed to respond and your response will often get you punished. And then there are systems within schools which make it very difficult for a young person to express themselves. And oftentimes it could be that they are right and the adults should just simply apologise and move the situation along. But because of their ego and them not wanting to be made a fool of, the systems in school protect them and somehow find a way to turn things around and make the young person seem the one at fault. As the article in New York Times expressed, adultification means black girls are punished way more frequently even when they're under the age of six years old. And if that's not alarming, I don't know what is. And it only gets worse as young black girls get older, as they move into adulthood. From preschool, they're treated differently. They move into primary school, they're treated differently. Moving to secondary school, college, sixth form, whatever university. This labelling can manifest as a form of self-fulfilling prophecy. 
and the damage doesn't stop there. As others internalise these things about you, because they've witnessed so many people saying it, that you are destructive, you are aggressive, you are rude, you're confrontational, you're unruly, you have an attitude, they start to believe it also. It comes to shape society's perceptions about you. It shapes the relationships you build in your personal lives. It feeds into the male psyche when they talk of their preference for certain demographic of women because black women, with the exception of their mothers and sisters, of course, <laughs> are too aggressive. You find yourself toning down in the workplace because you're afraid of living up to these stereotypes. So you don't form a, a dual identity that would be way too easy. You build up layers of yourself. You're one person among one group of people, another person with different race, with a different race of people, another person with men, another person with your girlfriends. It just goes on and on. You're constantly fighting to be respected. You're fighting to be treated with the same level of dignity, empathy, understanding as your white female counterparts. And with the end result being that black girls and women are less protected, less supported, less believed. It is a constant battle. Ask any black woman you're close to. So what do we do? As I watch many of my friends raise young black girls and listen to some of the issues um, they've encountered with authority, particularly in schools, it's very sad to hear how little of things have changed. How do we make the powers that be reflect on their internal biases and ensure that our children are allowed to be children? Well, Jamelia Blake, um, a psychologist and associate professor at Texas A&M University, who, uh, who co-authored the report in 2019, Listening to Black Women and Girls, Lived Experiences of Adultification Bias, and its precursor in 2017, Girlhood Interrupted, The Erasure of Black Girls in Childhood, advises that as language is important, it is important to take seriously the language adults and other professionals use when discussing your child or other black children you come into contact with. These seemingly innocuous words and labels manifest into something much bigger. It has contributed to shaping the many ill perceptions society so quickly likes to consume about black women. Blake advises very frankly, and I quote, that black parents should be very explicit when communicating with their children and other adults about the descriptions of black girls' behaviour. It is our jobs as adults to correct the language. Foster an environment where kids are allowed to be kids. Now, the relationships I have formed with my students in school is one which is based upon my recognition of their naivety and innocence. Not that I don't respect that they reason in an intelligent and mature manner, but I don't expect them to act or reason as grown-ups. They don't have the right answers. They're still navigating the world and understanding their place in it. They're contending with hormones and other things, learning how to manage their emotions, manage relationships with peers. There's so much going on with them. And it's my empathy and constant reassurance that things will be okay. And my, you know, not being so quick to penalise them too harshly for their mistakes. That's what builds our relationship and gives them confidence in me. Young people are so acutely aware of preferential treatment, just as they are aware when you view them as adult-like, when you believe their behaviour is deliberate and calculating. Because if this is how they believe you perceive them, how do you think they'll act towards you? Of course, there is another element to all of this, cultural differences. Having been brought up in a predominantly West African community and having friends of other races and cultures, one unique attribute that I have witnessed is how expressive West African people are. We're certainly very different on many levels. We are very 
passionate people. We laugh heartily. We praise and worship with passion and our heart, our hands flare, you know, in all directions as we talk. Now, this is not the same for the majority of white British people. The difference is just different. It's not better. It's not any worse. It's just different. And you have practitioners who do not share in the culture or try to understand it. So sometimes they take the verbal and non-verbal behaviour of black students and kind of like misinterpret it. They misinterpret their behaviour and leads to certain false assumptions. I urge parents, as well as people working in education, to take time to research this topic. It's important to acknowledge the academic and social implications of this perception of black girls. And I also urge particularly teachers and other professionals in schools to assess their own biases. How do you view and treat your black female students in comparison to your white female students? Are they afforded the same empathy, compassion, the same understanding? Do they receive equal discipline? If not, it's never too late to check yourself and others and rectify your behaviour. Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) This was a long one, so I tried to rush through it quite quickly, but I still hope you got something out of this. Reach out to me if you'd like to further discuss this topic or any other. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Find my name, Tina Abenal Friwa. Wishing you an enjoyable weekend ahead. Take care. God bless. Bye.